شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقسط لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ما بعد كارين ونو دفقة في الصلاة الأوثر رحمه الله says وشرائط وجوب الصلاة ثلاثة أشياء هي he mentions when salah is obligatory upon a person يعني when these conditions are met the salah is obligatory upon this person number one is الإسلام meaning the salah is obligatory upon the Muslim not the kafir the kafir doesn't have to pray because he doesn't have the foundation of Islam uh, and some of the, and the scholars they discuss here on the ruling of the kafir. What is he? Is he going to be accountable for not praying or not? Obviously, if he does pray, his salah is not accepted until he becomes Muslim, right? Like on the day of judgment, is he going to be punished for not praying or not? There's difference of opinion amongst the scholars on this. And uh, the opinion that's taken by a lot of mashayikh is that uh, the kafir he will be punished for not praying, because Allah says in the Quran, "Ma salakum fi saqar." They will be asked in the, in, the, in the hellfire, whilst they're in the hellfire. ما سلككم في سقر. What made you come into the hellfire? قالوا they would say لم نكن من المصلين. We never used to pray. ولم نكن نطعم المسكين. We never used to feed the poor. وكنا نكذب وكنا نخوض مع الخائضين. وكنا نكذب بيوم الدين. And we used to deny the day of judgment. يعني they were disbelievers. So therefore here they say that the kafir he is when when Allah says establish the salah, then Allah is talking to the kafir as well. And the, and if he and he is commanded to pray. But he has to come with the condition of prayer first, meaning he has to become Muslim and then pray. The point is that he will be punished on the day of judgment for not praying, as just like he's punished for his kufr, for his disbelief. So as Islam is the first condition for salah to be obligatory upon a person. Number two is well for a person to reach the age of puberty. For a person to reach the age of puberty. Meaning the person before the age of puberty, he does not have to pray. They don't have to pray. But the father is commanded to command the child to pray at the age of seven. As the Prophet said, Command your children to pray at the age of seven. And hit them, يعني, discipline them physically. If they do not pray by the age of ten. يعني, at the age of, when they are at the age of ten, then you are commanded to lightly discipline them in order to make them pray. And that's because to train, that's to train the child to get used to praying so that when he does reach the age of puberty, he's really used to it, and it's not something new. And if the father doesn't do this, then the father is sinning, not the child. Because the Prophet said in the hadith, The pen has been lifted from three groups of people, meaning three groups of people, they're not held accountable for their sins. One of the first one is, The child until he reaches the age of puberty. And also the insane person until he becomes sane. And the one who's sleeping until he wakes up. <coughs> Those three people, if they do something, they're not sinning for it. <coughs> Meaning, if a child commits a sin, or he doesn't, he doesn't do one of the, the, the commands, uh, first of all, he's not, he's not even commanded to do anything, the child, until the age of puberty. As for if he does a sin, then his sin is not upon him. And also the person who's sleeping, if he's sleeping and he accidentally does something that's bad, then it doesn't mean he's sinning because he's sleeping, he doesn't have control over himself. Similarly to the insane person as well. Uh, so that's why 
The person who is below the age of puberty is not commanded to pray. Number three is وَالْعَقْلُ sanity. Number three is sanity. A person has to pray. The, person who, 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 the third condition for you to have to pray is that you are sane. Meaning a person who is insane does not have to pray. Because they are not at... Uh, they are not under taklif. They are not a person who has been commanded by the Sharia. They don't understand. They're not saying. These three things are the mukallaf. In the Sharia, in Islam, you're going to find in fiqh a lot the word mukallaf, taklif. When the scholars of fiqh they use the word taklif, mukallaf, what they mean is the one who is binded by the rulings of the Sharia. You, if you are Muslim, Age, at the age of puberty and saying, then you are binded by the, uh, the rulings of the Sharia. Yani when Allah says, Is He talking to you? Yes, because you are Muslim at the age of puberty and you're saying. If a person is not at the age of puberty but they're saying and they're Muslim, when Allah says, Establish the Salah, is He talking to him? No, this person is not the one who's being spoken to here. He is not obliged by the rulings of the Sharia. Do you understand what that means? The person who is obliged by the rulings of the Sharia, the scholars of fiqh, they call him Mukallaf. Mukallaf. You're going to see this in many different places in fiqh. All of fiqh you're going to see it. From the beginning to the end, you're going to see this word Al-Taklif or Al-Mukallaf. Al-Mukallaf, he is the one who is obliged by the rulings of the Sharia. How do we know someone is obliged by the rulings of the Sharia? He is a Muslim who is sane. Baligh Aqim. He is at the age of puberty and he is sane. Tayyip, what is the age of puberty? What is considered to be puberty? Al-Balaq. The scholars, they mention three, the Shafi'iyah, they mention three signs that a person is at the age of puberty. If you see any one of these, then that person is at the age of puberty. Number one is reaching 15 years old. If a person reaches 15 years, 15 what years? Solar years or lunar years? Which one? According to the moon or according to the sun? Or is it the same? Huh? Moon, according to the moon. Yani Islamic years. Yani if you were born in 1420, then you're gonna be you're gonna be 15 in the year 1435. Huh? Right now we're in 14, 42. I'm about to enter 1443. Those years. Why? Because the Islamic year is shorter than the solar year. Yani one year in in an Islamic year is 12 year 12 days. Shorter than the solar year, the January, February, March, April, May, the Gregorian calendar. So therefore someone who's at the age of 15 Islamically, according to the solar calendar, he's still aged 14. So if someone was to base this ruling or was, based, was to base his calculations uh, on the solar calendar, the Gregorian calendar, then he's actually going to be younger than he is. He's actually going to assume himself to be younger than he is, and thereby he's going to be missing a lot of rulings from amongst them being this. He doesn't know when he's at the age of puberty, 15. Also zakah and the month of Ramadan and things like that. That's because Allah tells us in the Quran, They ask you about the, the hilal, the hilal, يعني, the new moon. They ask you about the new moon. What do we believe about the new moon? Say that these new moons is what we use to calculate our dates. Our dates are based on the moon. Islamically, whenever you find a date in, this, in Islam, in the Sharia, 15 years, one year, when it comes 15 years puberty, one year is the, when the hawl of zakah. What do we mean by that? We always mean Islamic years. So a person needs to be careful. When do you pay your zakah? Do you pay your zakah after one year 
of having the money Islamically, يعني محرم to محرم or January to January, or Ramadan to Ramadan or February to February. Which one? Ramadan to Ramadan, محرم to محرم. That's how you calculate your zakat. It's very important. So the first sign of puberty is reaching 15 years of age. If a person reaches 15 years, then even if he does not see any of the other signs of puberty, then he has reached al-bulugh. He's at the age of puberty and he is he's now mukallaf. If he's saying a Muslim. Number two, the second sign of puberty is خروج uh, المني is for a person to ejaculate. <coughs> for a person to ejaculate. If a person is able to have a wet dream, a child, able, uh, as soon as they have a wet dream, then this shows that they are at the age of puberty, even if they haven't reached the age of 15 yet. So it could be at the age of 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Any one of these ages, a person can reach the age of puberty by then, by simply uh, being able to ejaculate. Number three is al-hayd, uh, for the woman, the menstrual cycle. If a woman reaches or sees her menstrual cycle, then she's at the age of puberty. If a woman sees her menstrual cycle, then she is at the age of puberty. From the age of nine. From the age of nine. Why? Before that, before that, it's not considered to be blood. It's istihada, as the brother said. Istihada. It's this blood that we take. We've taken in the previous chapter, right? Before the age of nine, it's not considered to be menstrual cycle. After the age of nine, or at the age of nine or at the age of 8 and 15 days left until reaching the age of 9 then if they see the, pu the, the blood then they are considered to be at the age of puberty it's, it's hayd anything before that يعني before 8 years old and 15 days until the age of 9 then they are not considered to be on, that's not considered to be hayd okay these are the three signs of puberty that the shafi'iyah they mention the hanabila they mention one extra one which is also true the hanabila they mention a fourth one a sign of puberty and that is pubic hair pubic hair the Hanabila they mentioned the pubic hair. And what is that? the definition of the pubic hair? Is a sha'ar al khashin fi qubul al rajul or al mar'a. Or fulq al qubul. The hair which is khashin, yani rough. So it's not soft hair, rather it's rough hair. Okay? Because before a person reaches the age of puberty, they might have some hair, but it's not considered to be pubic hair. At the, to, uh, above their front private part. Above their front private part. For the man or the woman. If the man or the woman they see this, then this is a, this is a sign of their puberty. This is a sign that they have reached the age of puberty. And the evidence for that is the hadith of Banu Quraidah when the Prophet وسلم, was removing them from Medina. How would they? Uh, how would he? Uh, he would separate the men from the boys and the women and the children and the women. So the men from the children and the women. So the men. How would if they saw such a person who they, they weren't sure is are they at the age of puberty or not? They would check if they had pubic hair. And if they did, they would be considered to be from the men. And if they didn't, they would be considered to be from the child, children. So this shows that this is a sign of puberty as well. And this is what Hanabila they mentioned. So when a person is baligh and aqil, a person is at the age of puberty, number one. And number two, he is aqil, yani he is sane. Then he is mukallaf, meaning? Binded by the rulings of the sharia. He has to act according to the sharia. If he does a sin, it's on him. If he does a good deed, then he gets the reward for it. Even though Ibn Taymiyyah mentions that a child, if he doesn't do a good deed, they will get rewarded for it as well, but they don't get sin. That's the from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Taib? They were being executed. Oh, executed. No. Uh, the question then? Yeah, the question. Yeah, the question earlier. Oh, the answer. The answer, yeah. Taib. Yeah. Uh, 
Then here he mentions the, the five the daily prayers or the prayers which are um, the, the, the prayers which are sunnah to pray in congregation. And just list them to be honest. We're going to go through them in more detail inshallah if we get to it. Uh, so he says Al-Idan, the two Eid prayers, they are, they are legislated to be prayed in congregation. It is sunnah. Al-Idan, Eid al-Adha and Eid al-Fitr, the two Eid prayers. You pray them in congregation, but they're sunnah according to the Shafi'iyah. Wal Kusufan, the eclipse prayers, the two eclipse prayers. Meaning, what type of what, what eclipse? Solar and lunar eclipse. So, the solar eclipse and the lunar eclipse prayer. So, there's four. So, you have the two Eid. Eid al Adha is one. Eid al Fitr is two. The Khusuf, which is the lunar eclipse. Wal Kusuf, which is the solar eclipse. Wal Istisqa and the prayer for rain. All of these prayers, Istisqa is the prayer for rain. All of these prayers are legislated to be prayed in congregation and they are sunnah according to the Shafi'i which we're going to, we're going to go into detail of the how to pray the Eclipse prayer, how to pray the Eid prayer and how to pray the Istisfar prayer towards the end of the, the chapter here. Then he mentions Here he mentions the voluntary prayers which are connected to the, to the five daily prayers. The voluntary prayers which are connected to the five daily prayers. And there are two types. And the first one is Al-Rawatib. The Rawatib. Meaning, the Rawatib, what do you mean by the Rawatib? The Rawatib are the Sunnah prayers which are emphasized and they are the ones mentioned in the Hadith of Ibn Umar. The Hadith of Ibn Umar is that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, Ashru Raka'atin. And in some narration, Ithna Ashra Raka'at. Ten prayers, ten Raka'at. I meant I memorized them from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and then he mentioned them these ten rak'at these are called the rawatib the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would never leave them and they are emphasized and so those are ten those are ten from these seventeen that are mentioned here then the second category is the rest other sunan which are also connected to for the five daily prayers. What do we mean by they are connected to the five daily prayers? You pray them either before the, one of the five daily prayers or you pray them either after. That's what we mean by that. So yani, these 17 raka'ah, they are connected to the five daily prayers, meaning you either pray them before or you pray them after one of the five daily prayers. And then they split up into two groups, the rawatib and the ones that are non-rawatib. Rawatib are those who the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever prays these, these, pray, these raka'at, then he will have a house in Jannah. He will be given a house in Jannah. Whoever prays these ten rak'at, he will be given a house in Jannah. And these rawatib are sunnah mu'akkada. They are emphasized sunnah. Meaning, what, does, what do we mean by emphasized sunnah? Huh? Oh, more sunnah I mentioned specifically. What do you mean by emphasized sunnah? Sunnah mu'akkada. It's encouraged. All sunnah are encouraged. Extra encouraged. All of them are extra encouraged. Ahsant. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa would never leave them. That's what it means. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa would never leave them unless he had an excuse. For example, he was traveling or something like that. The, other than that, the Prophet alayhi wa would never leave them. So the sunan, when it comes to prayers and other things, they are split up into two types. Mu'akkada, and they are emphasized and non-emphasized. The emphasized are the ones that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa would never leave. From amongst, the example of that is what we're talking about right now. The rawatib, the rawatib, now, this is before Fajr. Yeah, the rawatib, the 10 rak'at which we're about to talk about. 17, he mentioned 17 here, right? 
and they're connected to the five daily prayers, ten of them are emphasized because they are rawatib. So the, the emphasize, one of the emphasized sunnah is the rawatib. Another emphasized sunnah is what? Salatul Kusuf, the eclipse prayer. It's an emphasized sunnah. An example of a sunnah which is not emphasized, not sunnah muakkadah. Salatul Duha. Salatul Duha is not an emph- is not muakkadah. And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam will do it sometimes, and sometimes he wouldn't do it. From amongst the sunnah muakkadah, what? You can give me an example. Another one. They pray every night. Witr, witr. Hey, don't after maghrib is all, but from the rawatib. Don't after maghrib is all, but from the rawatib. That counts. And witr as well, right? We we'll never leave witr. We we'll never leave witr. Do you understand that? So from these seventeen. How many of them are, are muakkadah? Ten. And they are called? Oh. The rawatib. Why are they called the rawatib? Because the Prophet would never leave them. He would do rawatib in ratib, something that's continuous. It happens again and again and again. The Prophet would never leave them. And also because we know that these ten, they have a specific, specific reward, which is a house in Jannah. You understand? And then this, the rest of the seven, they are uh, the non-rawatib. So we have the rawatib and the non-rawatib. How did I categorize it? Two types. Did I say rawatib and non-rawatib? I didn't say emphasize, non-emphasize. Okay, good. The first one, the first one of these 17 rak'at are rak'at al-fajr. I said muakkad, I said emphasize and emphasize. That's wrong. When I categorized it, I said there are two types, right? Emphasize and non-emphasize. That's wrong. Say rawatib and non-rawatib. Right, the rawatib and non-rawatib. So, what does mean? Emphasize, you only answered it. Emphasize sunnah. Muakkada? No. Okay. What is an emphasize? What is a sunnah muakkada? Emphasize sunnah. What is it? The Prophet sallallahu never left. From amongst those sunnah that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam never left are the rawatib, the ten rakat. These ten. Oh, sorry. The rawatib is only two rakat, but rakat sunnah is all sunnah. Yeah, all sunnahs that are never left, the muakkada, and from amongst them are the ten rawatib that we're going to go through now. So the categorization is what. They are rawatib and non-rawatib. These 17, there are some of them which are rawatib and some of them are non-rawatib. Rawatib means they are the ones that are mentioned in the hadith of Ibn Umar, that the person who does it, they will be given a place in Jannah and they are sunnah and they are emphasized sunnah. They are emphasized sunnah that the Prophet sallallahu generally would never leave. So he says, number one, raka'at al-fajr. The two raka'at before fajr. This is from the rawatib. Two raka'at before fajr. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith, Raka'atay al-fajr khayrun min al-dunya wa ma fiha. The two raka'a before fajr is better than the dunya and whatever is in it. Everything in the dunya and everything that's in it. The two raka'a that are before fajr is better than it. So imagine Salat al-fajr itself. So raka'atay al-fajr, these are from the rawatib and rather this is the most emphasized of the rawatib. This is the most emphasized. All of them are emphasized. All of them we should always do. But these two, the Prophet sallallahu would never even leave them even when he's traveling. Even when he's traveling, he wouldn't leave them. He would still pray the two rak'ah before fajr. Mm-hmm. Um, no. And four before dhuhr. Two of them are rawatib, and two of them, there's a difference of opinion. Are they rawatib or not? So we said four, right? We pray two, they're rawatib. The other two, they're non-rawatib, wallahu a'ala. They're non-rawatib. There's a difference of opinion. Two of them. There's four. The, the one before or after? The, the, the four before. Oh, the four before. There's four before Dhuhr. Okay. Four before Dhuhr. So you pray two and then you stand up and you pray another, another two. 
They're two separate prayers, right? Jazan, two separate prayers. One of them are rawatib. The other one is rawatib or not? Wallahu alam is not. You understand? Is that clear? Two, yeah, you can just pray two by yourself. So just pray two by yourself, and the other two you should do it. It's good, but it is not necessary from the rawatib. and two after the Two raka'ah after the and these are from the rawatib. These are from the rawatib. قبل العصر. Four raka'ah before asr. Four raka'ah before asr. And the evidence for that is the hadith narrated by Tirmidhi from and these are from, not from Rawatib, right? Four before asr, they're not Rawatib. These are not Rawatib. And it comes from the hadith of Ali radiallahu anhu. And the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kana yusalli qabla al-asri arba'a raka'atin yafsilu baynahunna. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would pray four raka'ah before asr. And he would separate between them. So he would pray two. Then Taslim, then you'll pray another two. And another hadith, Rahim Allahum Ra'an Salla Qabla Asri Arba'a. May Allah have mercy upon the one who prays before Asr four raka'at. So these are not from the Rawatib, but they are virtuous. They are connected. Remember, look, they're connected, right? That's why they come under these 17, because it's connected to Salat al Asr. But it's not from the Rawatib that I mentioned in the hadith of, of Ibn Umar. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Is it two raka'at before Duhr? There's four before Duhr. Two of them are Rawatib, the other two are not. And two after are Rawatib. Hmm. Um, I had this earlier that four after Dhuhr was there. Four after Dhuhr, these are also, يعني, it's not Rawatib, two after Dhuhr. And as for, as for four after Dhuhr, Allahu Alam, I don't know about the authenticity of that. Wallahu Alam. Two after Dhuhr are not Rawatib. Two after Dhuhr, ah. You said four after Dhuhr. Yeah, you should, you should pray two. You shouldn't pray four raka'ah without tasleem. You should pray two and then two. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is narrated from Ibn Umar that he said, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, um, Salatul layli wa nahari mathna mathna. The, the prayer during the day and night should be two and two. You should pray two, 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 two. As for if you do pray four, then it's okay. It's okay. But it should be two. Mm. Then he says, وَرَكَعَتَانِ بَعْدَ الْمَغْرِبِ Two raka'ah after maghrib. Two raka'ah after maghrib. Are these from the rawatib? Yes, this is the rawatib, and this is the second most emphasized of the rawatib. The second most emphasized of the rawatib. And from the sunnah, is for a person to read, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ and قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ in the two raka'ah before Fajr and the two raka'ah after Maghrib. This is the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And before Fajr, two raka'ah, what do you read? قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ and قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ And the two after Maghrib, you read, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ and قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ and that is to emphasize Tawheed at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. Beginning of the day is Fajr, the end of the day is Maghrib. You emphasize Tawheed each time. So you say, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ before and قُلْ وَاللَّهُ أَحَدٌ And the second one. Uh, also from the Sunnah that is connected to the Fajr one and also the Maghrib one is that they should be made short. They shouldn't be made long. You shouldn't pray very long. To the point that Aisha radiallahu anha said, I would say to myself, has, he, has the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam even read Surah Al-Fatiha? That's how short he would make it. Right? So a person will pray two raka'ah. Uh, before Fajr and two raka'ah after Maghrib and they make it short and they recite قُلْ يَا الْكَافِرُونَ قُلْ وَاللَّهُ أَحَدٍ When you say make it short, do you mean as in read fast? No, you, you can read normal pace but don't make it long basically. Just don't make it long. 
وثلاثون بعد العشاء يعني شوطة ذا ويوم لي ويد نوم One rakah after to pray witter. Is it allowed to pray witter? Is it allowed to pray witter one rakah? Yes. This is narrated from Muawiyah radiallahu anhu and also Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. May Allah be pleased upon all of them. That they would pray witter. They would pray witter. They would allow someone to pray witter only by one rakah. And witter is, and the two two of them are from the rawatib, and so it's emphasized. Witter is also muakkad, it's also emphasized. Rather, witter is one of the most important prayers. To the point that Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah ta'ala, he would reject the witness in court of someone who does not pray witter. You don't pray witter, therefore you should not be a witness in court. Also, uh, the, Abu Hurair radiallahu anhu, he said, Awsani Khalili sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bithalath, as narrated by Al-Bukhari Muslim. He said, my... Khalil, my close friend, meaning the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he advised me with three things, and from amongst them being Allah an 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 He advised me that to make sure that I pray witr before I sleep, and the sunnah for a person when he's praying witr is to pray, and to make it the last prayer of the night, to make it the last prayer of the night. So therefore, if he's going to wake up at the end of the night to, to pray qiyamul layl, when should he pray witr? After the qiyamul layl, and if he's not going to wake up, then he should pray witr before he sleeps. And this is the sunnah of the Prophet Even though it is allowed for a person to pray after witr, but it is better for him to pray, um, be, uh, to, to, to make it his last prayer, to make his last prayer better. And the Prophet would sometimes, the Prophet would sometimes, the Prophet would sometimes pray after Salatul Witr, uh, so therefore that shows that it's allowed. <coughs> so what's the evidence for the sunnah in al-rawatib? It's the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam narrated from hadith of Umar radiallahu anhu, anhu from Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he said, Sallaytu ma'al nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I prayed with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Raka'atayni qabla al-dhuhr. Two raka'ah before al-dhuhr. Wa raka'atayni ba'daha. And two after. Wa raka'atayni ba'd al-maghrib. And two raka'ah after maghrib. وركعتين بعد العشاء أن تركع after العشاء وحدثتني حفصة بنت عمر أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يصلي ركعتين خفيفتين بعدما يطلع الفجر. and he said حفصة بنت عمر meaning my sister ابن عمر his sister was حفصة and he was also who was حفصة the wife of the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم حفصة told me that the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used to pray two ركعات two light ركعات after the sun has risen. So therefore from this we understand that the timing, when do you pray these, these rak'at, before Dhuhr, before Maghrib, you pray it when the Salah time has entered. So a common question is, can I pray the two rak'at of Fajr before Fajr has, Adhan has gone off? What's the answer to that? No, you can't. You have to wait until the Adhan has gone to pray the ones that are before Fajr and the ones that are before Dhuhr. You can't pray it uh, before that time. And also Salatul Witr. Salatul Witr, the minimum is for a person to pray one rak'at. The minimum is for a person to pray one rak'ah. 
No, du'a or witr, du'a or qunut, you don't have to say it. It is sunnah for you to do du'a or qunut and witr in Ramadan only. In Ramadan. And if a person does it outside of Ramadan, then the Shaykh ibn Baz, rahimahullah, from my remember, says that it's okay. But it's better to keep it to Ramadan only. To keep it to Ramadan. Um, Naam, witr. And the, the minimal perfection is three. Yani one is okay, is allowed. But if you want to do, to do it better, then you pray, for, you pray three. And you can pray as many as you want until 11. So you can pray up to 11 rakat. How do you pray these three? You have two ways that you can pray these three, or a few ways. Number one is that you pray three rakat in a row without any uh, tashahud and without any taslim in between. So you pray three rakat. One, two, three. Don't sit down for tashahud at all. You pray one, two, three. Then you sit down for tashahud and you say salam. One tashahud at the end. And you say salam. <coughs> the second way is that you can pray Two raka'ah, and then you do tashahud and then taslim, and then you stand up for one raka'ah, and then tashahud and taslim. Is that clear? As for making it like maghrib, then this is prohibited. What do you mean by making it by maghrib? You pray two, then tashahud, then instead of taslim, you stand up for a third one. Then you do another tashahud, and then you say salam. That's how maghrib is. And this is something that's been prohibited, so we don't pray asr, uh, with it like that. And you can pray up to 11 raka'at. Uh, is it permissible to pray? The after the time period, and if so, what are the conditions? No, I Are you allowed to pray the rawatib prayer after its time? If so, what's the condition? You are allowed with conditions. The conditions are number one, you are some, you are someone who constantly prays these rawatib. <coughs> this is the hanbali. This is the hanbali. Hanbali. The shafi'i say no, no conditions. You can pray it later if you get it. You can make it up. Like in Allah Alim Hanbali, what they say is this is what this is better. Allah Alim, they say that. If you're someone who always prays these rawatim. And number two, you were made busy. You weren't able to pray it because either you forgot or you were busy. Either you forgot or you were busy. Then in that case, if you're someone who constantly, you normally you pray, you normally you're, you're, you're someone who normally prays it, then you can make it up. Other than that, then you don't make it up. So for instance, with work, you're... Yeah, if someone has work and that because of work, he's not able to leave it, he's not able to pray it, then you can pray after work, even if the time is finished. Hmm. Uh, you said when you pray the prayer the three or count with you, you do so the first one is the normal, so you just start up normally. And the second account, when you get to uh Tashahud, you don't do it, you stand back up and then you do it on the third one. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So you pray one, two, three, and then Tashahud. And then salam. Okay. Very good. Uh, if a person enters into the masjid and then he wants to pray the two raka'ah before the hall and he wants to pray to head to the masjid, can you combine the intention? You don't have to, but you can. Yeah, and if a person wants to, he can pray and he has two intentions the intention to pray to head to the masjid and also the intention to pray the two raka'ah before the hall and he'll get rewarded for both, inshallah. Mm. Now, nice question. What do you read from the قل يا أيها الكافرون نقول هو الله أحد قل يا أيها الكافرون نقول هو الله أحد طيب لأن أوثر رحمه الله يسأل وثلاث نوافل مؤكدات مؤكدات he mentions three different prayers which are emphasized prayers مؤكدات what do you mean by that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم will never leave them off and we have a debate on one of them because he mentions ضحى 
In reality, the Prophet used to never used to always pray duha. Rather, Aisha never even knew about it. Aisha never knew about the Salat al-Duha until the Prophet died. She used to say there's no prayer this time. So that shows that the Prophet never used to always pray Salat al-Duha. But from the Mu'akkadat, our number one, Salat al-Layl, the prayer at night. The night prayer. And the night prayer, the definition of the night prayer is any Salah which is prayed after Maghrib until, until Fajr. Maghrib until Fajr is considered to be the night prayer. Now, al-Layl, after Maghrib, you can pray. Until Fajr. That's all of us considered Qiyam al-Layl. When is the best time to pray? The scholars, they say, the middle of the night. From the middle of the night. From the middle of the night is the best time to pray. What's the middle of the night? Between Maghrib and Fajr. So you take Maghrib, Time, Fajr time, and you take half, half of that between, uh, in between. So let's say Maghrib is at 9 and Fajr is at 3, then the middle of the night will be 12. If the Maghrib is at 7 and Fajr is at 4, the middle of the night is still 12. No, it's not 12. 11th day, huh? That's the situation. Uh, so that's any, any time between that time. But the best is to pray in the middle of the night. Why? Because the Prophet وسلم, was asked, Which prayer is the best after the five daily prayers? The Prophet وسلم, says, The middle of the night. And also in the hadith, the Prophet وسلم, says, that the Prophet وسلم, he told us, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he comes down when there is one third, when there is one third of the night left, Allah comes down to the lowest heaven and he asks, is there anyone who's asking so I can give him? Yeah, and he's praying at this time of night, last third of night. Is there anyone here praying? And also the Prophet, uh, is there anyone who's asking so I can give to him? Is there anyone who is calling upon me so I can respond to him? Is there anyone who's asking me to forgive him so I can forgive him? So this is the time where the dua is responded to and the last third of the night. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about this night prayer, وَمِنَ اللَّيْلِ فَتَهَجَّدَ بِهِ نَافِلَةً لَكَ at night time, pray. Tahajjud. And you tahajjud. Telling the Prophet وسلم, this is an obligation upon you. Here, this shows that the Prophet وسلم, it was obligatory upon him to pray at night. Like Allah says in the Quran, Quran stand up at night. Yani stand up for the majority of the night to the Prophet Pray half the night or maybe a little bit less Or do more And you have a choice You can pray the majority of the night, half the night, a little bit less, a little bit more And we cite the Quran In a way that is properly pronounced, with proper pronunciation and from he says why and after after telling him to telling the prophet وسلم, to pray at night he says to him after it says we're going to give you to you a heavy word we're going to give to you a heavy word so what does that show that the night prayer it, it, it helps a person when it comes to knowledge that the prophet وسلم, he was commanded to pray at night and after it, he was told that he's going to be given a heavy knowledge and the quran and so that shows that this night prayer was for him to be able to take this knowledge in and so for a person who wants to seek knowledge, that's why Imam Ahmed rahimahullah ta'ala, he was shocked about a person who would pray, he would be a person of hadith and he doesn't pray at night. 
person of a man came to his house and he was living, he was staying in the house of Imam Ahmed and he gave him a bit of water and in the morning he saw, at Fajr time, he saw that water was empty and so he said to him, did you not pray at night? and so the man said, I was a traveler so Imam Ahmed said, Sahib hadith la bil a person of hadith doesn't stand and pray at night he said, this is something strange because a per this is one of the most beneficial things when it comes to knowledge for a person to be praying at night because knowledge is not just information it's help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah Azza wa Jalla is going to help you retain the information and also act by it and from amongst the best ways for a person to re revise the Quran is to recite it at night in his night prayer to recite so wherever you memorize during the daytime recite it in the, in, in the night prayer so the night prayer has many many virtues and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions about those people who are the blessed slaves of Allah the people of Jannah he says about them They used to sleep very little at night And in the ashar, the end of the night they would, they would ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive them At the end of the night They would ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive them Because this is the way of the people of Jannah The people of knowledge And the, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He said in the hadith in written by Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu Pray at night because this is the way of the righteous people are before you. And, and in the virtues of Qiyamul Layl are many. From amongst them, the, maybe the author here mentioned some of them. Alaykum bi Qiyamul Layl, fa'innahu da'bu salihina qablakum. Now, this is one I mentioned. That they, pray at night because this is the way of the, people, the, the, the righteous people before you. Wa qurbatun lakum ila rabbikum. And it's also something to get you closer to Allah. Wa makfaratun lisayyati wa manhatun an ithim. And it takes you away, it, it forgives your sins. And it keeps you away from all of those sins. And from amongst the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, from amongst the hadith that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned about Qiyamul Layl, is the one that I mentioned to you when he said that uh, that Allah subhanahu wa taala comes down at the end of every night, the lot when there is one third left of the night, and he comes down. He asks, "Is there anyone who asks me? Anyone who wants forgiveness? Anyone who is making du'a?" And so Allah will respond to you. So this is the best time to make du'a. Also, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam كان يقوم الليل حتى تتفطرت قدمه. He would he would stand up at night and pray until his feet would be bleeding. And Aisha radiyallahu anha would say, Ya Rasulullah, did Allah not forgive ما تقدم من ذنبك وما تأخر? Did Allah not forgive your future sins and your past sins? And so the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would still pray at night and he would say to Aisha radiyallahu anha, أفلا أكون عبد شكورا? Should I not be a thankful slave? Praying at night. And this is one of the best ways that a person should pray at night. Al-Hasan al-Basri radiallahu rahimahullah from the tabi'een, students of the companions, he said that he was asked, how, how come we see that the people, of the, the people of the night prayer, they are glowing, their faces glow? How come the people of the night prayer, their faces glow? He says, because they, are, they were secluded with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so, so Allah covered them with a light. And so that's what you see in the faces of those people who pray at night that nur on their face, that light on their face is because of that, the prayer at night and the prayer at night prayer has a lot, many 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 virtues and inshallah ta'ala maybe one of you would be able to read books on it and there's many books on it, on the virtues of Qiyam al-Layl and also you find a lot of uh, lectures by scholars about it um, the last thing that we mention is about Qiyam al-Layl is um, which Allah subhanahu what's the difference between Qiyam al-Layl and Tahajjud? what's the difference between Qiyam al-Layl and Tahajjud? Qiyamul is night prayer, tahajjud is another name for the night prayer. What's the difference? The scholars they say that tahajjud is better because tahajjud is after you sleep. So you sleep and then you wake up and pray at the end of the night. This is better. Qiyamul Layl is anything between Maghrib and Fajr. They all call it the night prayer. But the best of the night prayer is what? 
the tahajjud, which is after you sleep and wake up. This one's just quick. Um, so you have to sleep for it to be classified as tajid? Yeah. Okay. You have to sleep for it to be classified as tajid, yeah. And then, um, other one was going to be, um, you know some people, they they, they set a date to, to, to break the arm because if say there's an affair going on or something. There is it. Something happened. Something happened, yeah. Um, is that a good hour? No. For some people to set a set specific date every year or something like that to pray Qiyamul Day, this is innovation, yeah? It's a bit there. But if a person does it once in a while, for example, in the masjid and they're in the masjid and they or they say, let's come come to the masjid today and they all pray together, just one day, random day, or another day, that's fine. If they set that specific day, it's okay. No, if, if every year, no. But if they like, if they just say, brothers, we're going to come pray tomorrow at night, then it's not. But if it's every year, it's a specific day that happens every day, then no, it's not allowed so to be done. Say for instance, I make a group chat with a few brothers, mm -hmm. say, right there, and just... Yeah, it's better not to, mm -hmm. but it's not better. Okay. Yeah. But it's better to pray with Kambalayla alone. Mm -hmm. um, how many... How many, how many uh, rakats uh, do you pray for Kambalayla? Kambalayla does not have an, a limit on rakats. So you can keep praying. You can keep praying, it has no limit. Because the Prophet said, Salatul Layli wa Nahari Mathna Mathna is 2 2, no limit. You just keep praying 2 2 2 2 2. When he gave conditions on praying the Quran outside that time, did you say it's Mesabada Hanafis or the Hanafis? Hanbalis. Okay, yeah. And was the 2 before Fajr the only um, of Quran that the Prophet when he was traveling? Yeah. Okay. Those two. They would only pray those two when he was traveling. I don't know if I don't know if it's obligatory upon all of the prophets. I know it is obligatory upon the Prophet to pray the night prayer. I've asked for the other prophets, Allah I don't know. No. Um what was the question you asked this now? Yeah. What's the last Oh the second one was um it's only the two before Fajr, the two. Yeah, sounds good. Now, the Prophet from the Rawatib, there's only the only those two. From the Rawatib, only those two. But from amongst those that he used to pray, always, is also Witr. But it's not from the Rawatib. He would pray even whilst he's traveling, he would pray Witr. But that's not from the Rawatib. It's from the Mu'akkadat, emphasized on So Witr and two Rakat before Fajr. So that shows that they're more emphasized, those two. Um, is it from the Sunnah that he prayed a for Qiyam al Inam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, inside Ramadan or outside Ramadan, he wouldn't go past eight rakat. Eight. And then three, four, witr. And would the two of the rawatib after Isha count as two, four? No, no. The two are, the rawatib after Isha don't count for the Qiyam al In terms of, yani, those, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to pray. So you said um, that Salat al was, you pray before Maghrib. After Maghrib. After Maghrib, sorry, yeah. After Maghrib, sorry, he prays Qiyam al before Isha. Yeah, the Prophet, yeah, and with Sunnah al rather. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the hadith narrated by Tirmidhi from Hudayfa ibn Amani radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sometimes kana yuhyi ma bayn al-isha'ayn He used to pray with, between Maghrib and Isha the whole time He used to pray in the Sunnah That's a lot of people don't know about um, So, would it be more virtuous to like, pray those eight but spread out for an entire night or pray a lot of rakat? So what's better for you to pray eight 
spread out throughout the entire night or pray two uh, more rakat but make it shorter the best, the best is the longer you pray the better and if you pray 8 rakat for the whole night or 20 rakat for the whole night then 8 is better the whole night because according to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Sunnah but if you're gonna pray eight and you only memorize one juz, you're gonna do eight for in one juz and you're gonna finish it, you're gonna finish it in twenty minutes. Then it's better for you to pray more rakat and fill up the time like that. So it depends. So the longer you pray the better. Like Lynn. Is it permissible to pray in two portions? Yeah, it's permissible to pray in two portions, have a break, it's fine. A break I'm late. in portions have a break, it's fine. Mm. Pass the question. Am mm. I allowed to, to spread the time between Arawatib and Fadl Salah? Pray Dhuhr 15 minutes after praying Arawatib? Yes, that's fine. As long as the, the Salat al Dhuhr has come in, then you can pray even 15 minutes before Salat al Dhuhr. Is it bid'ah to pray in Tahajjud and the Jama'ah in the Masjid in Ramadan after praying Tarawih? No, because it's the same thing as having a break, spreading out through the night. It's not bid'ah. The, the problem is if a person, if they have two congregations, you have a congregation and they pray witr, and then another congregation come and they pray on whole another and they call it tahajjud. No, it's a problem. What you should do is, the masjid, what they should do is, they pray the, the tarawih, then, then the time between tarawih and the next prayer, which they call tahajjud, is just a break. So whether you call it tahajjud or that you call it tarawih, it's all the same prayer. And so there, and is there a limit to tarawih? No, there's no limit to tarawih, according to ijma' of the salaf. All of the Salaf, they prayed different numbers. So from amongst the people of Medina, they used to pray 36. From amongst the people of Mecca, they used to pray 21 or 20. They used to pray 20 rakat. So there's no limit. But, and are you allowed to have a break? Yes, you're allowed to have a break. But the problem is when they have one jama'ah, they pray tarawih and then witr, and then they come back and they pray another tarawih, another, another prayer, and then another witr in the same masjid, and they, and, they, and, they, and they organize it like that. And they organize it, and they tell people, this is how we're going to do it. This is a problem. They shouldn't do that. That's a problem. As for if they pray the salah, and then they don't, have a, they have a break and then they pray Qiyam Walid after, then that's fine. It is permissible to be used by one voice when uh, making Dua Al-Qunud or an applied Tajweed. As for applying Tajweed, then it is not Sunnah. It is not Sunnah. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't apply Tajweed to Dua Al-Qunud or even beautifying the voice in a way. As for if it is a natural beautification, natural way where a person making dua and it naturally comes, then it's fine. As for applying tajweed and then making madden, uh, making extra extra loud voices and all this stuff in dua, la, it's not allowed. It's not allowed. It's, not, it's a problem. But as for if it's a natural voice, Allah, Allah, it's fine. As for someone who's making what's masaib al dunya and the tajweed, no, it's a problem. You shouldn't. You shouldn't do that. That's not from the Sunnah. The scholars they say you shouldn't. Do that. Can you read Qiyamul Layl with a Mus'haf? Yes, you can. Because the Aisha radiallahu anha, she used to be led in Qiyamul Layl by her slave. And her slave used to read with a Mus'haf. Allah That's Salatul Layl. You guys get that, yeah? Next one is Wasalatul Duha. Here he mentioned Salatul Duha to be from among the emphasized Sunan. And we mentioned before that the Salatul Duha is not from the emphasized Sunan. Why? Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wouldn't always pray Salatul Duha. What is Salatul Duha? Salatul Duha is the prayer that is prayed after the sun rises and before the, the, the sun is in the middle of the day. In Arabic terms, what is it? No, in Arabic terms, when I said after the sun has fully risen until the sun is in the middle of the sky. Ishraq until? Istiwa. From Ishraq until Istiwa. 
Okay? From after Fajr, so approximately, basically when the sun has risen up, our Fajr has finished, and then it's risen up fully, up all the way up into the sky. The amount of a spear, if you get a spear, and you put it, you put it, you put it in front of you, the sun is going to be above the spear. So approximately 15 minutes after Fajr finishes, 15 minutes after Fajr finishes, this is called Al-Shuruq or Al-Shiraq, Al-Shiraq, okay? That's when Salat al-Duha time starts. And Salat al-Duha finishes when the sun is in the middle of the sky, which is called Al-Istiwa, just before Dhuhr. Before Dhuhr by how long? Five approximately minutes. five minutes. This time, is all, this, all, all of that is the time of Duha. That's when you can pray Salat al-Duha. And that is known in the Arabic language as Duha. The Arabs, they have different words for different times of the day. So they have Fajr, they have Al-Isfar, they have Al-Shuruq, they have Al-Duha, they have Al-Istiwa, they have Zawal, and they have Asr, and they have different times even between Asr and Maghrib, they have different times that's called Al-Isfirar and all of these names, and they have Al-Maghrib, they have Isha, and they call it Atama, and they have Al-Ghasaq, 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 and also Tasjiyah, which is ما ودعك ربك ما قال والآخرة خير لك من الأولى وسوف يعطيك ربك ما ترضى لمن يتكتين تسجع سجع وجدك الضع والسجع والسجع والليل إذا يغشى والنهار والليل إذا سجع لا والنهار إذا تجلى معنا لا والليل إذا يغشى والنهار إذا تجلى وما خلق الذكر ولنا والشمس والضحى والليل نعم والضحى والليل إذا سجى والليل إذا سجى they have this word تسجي اسمه تسجي as another time for the night so they have all these times for night and it's mentioned about تعالي بين سفق اللغة it's very important very nice to know so the point is here that صلاة الضحى is from الاشراق until الاستواء meaning from 15 minutes after Fajr has finished so not when Fajr starts Fajr finished and then 15 minutes after that, it's called Ishraq, Shuruq, because the sun is just fully risen now. Fully, fully risen, it's bright. Then until Istiwa, until the sun in the middle of the sky, which is five minutes before Zuhur time comes in. This is the time for Salat al-Duha. Salat al-Duha, the best time to pray it is though near the end, the hottest time. Yeah, at the hottest time, it's, better, it's best to pray at that time. So near the end. Because the hadith in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet وسلم, said, Salat al-Awwabin, Hina Tarmudul Fisal. The prayer of the constant repeat or the people who constantly repent is when the fisal, the baby camel sits down. When does the baby camel sit down? Ahlubadiyah, people of the Badia. When does the sun, when does the camel, do you know the people of camels? They know about the camels. But most of us don't know about camels. We don't, we don't live in the Badia. We don't live in the, in the, in the, Badia, in the, in the deserts. Yeah, and the, people, the camels, they sit down when it's very hot. The baby camel is going to sit down when it's very, very hot. That's when they sit down. So the Prophet said, the Salat al-Awwabin hina tarmudul fisal. When the baby camel sits down, this is where the best time to pray. Salat al-Duha. This is the Salat al-Awwabin, the prayer of those who constantly repent, the righteous people. And some of the scholars who don't know about camels, they said, who didn't know about camels, they said, what it means by that is when the camel lifts up its feet. You know, the camel, when it's very hot, the baby camel, he lifts up one of its feet because it's too hot. And that's what some of the scholars, they mentioned, that's how they explain it. Like in the other one is that they sit down. And this is why it's important to know about the way of the Arabs. Because the Arabs, they know about camels. And the people who know about camels, it's very important because 
has it has a has it has something to do with how it changes the explanation of hadith. So the point is here that this is the best time to pray duha when the prayer is uh, when the sun is at the hottest time. From amongst the virtues of Salatul Duha is what this, this same hadith mentioned. What, what did it call Salatul Duha? This hadith. Salatul Awwabin, the prayer of those who repent. And Awwab is the one who constantly repents. It shows that it's Salatul Duha. It shows that the person who prays Salatul Duha, he's a constant repenter. Another, another, another virtue of Salatul Duha is <coughs> the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he said, Kullu sulama min nasi alayhi sadaqa, kulla yawmin tatla'u fihi shams. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, Every son of Adam, every joint on the son of Adam has to give charity every day that the sun comes up. So every day you have to, your whole body has to give charity. Every joint has to give charity every day. And, and then the Prophet ﷺ mentioned some of the ways to give charity. To judge between two people fairly is a sadaqa, a charity. For you to remove something harmful from the road is a charity. There's a rock on the road, in the road, you remove it from the people. But on the pathway, there's something harmful, some thorns, you remove it. Well, to me, all of these are, are different types of charity. And the Prophet said, Should I tell you about one thing that gives charity on, for everything? Yani, all of those 360 joints that you have in your body, as narrated by Aisha, 360. Aisha narrated it. 360. They are. How, how can all of them give charity? He said, Two raka'ah that you do in duha. You give charity on behalf of every, all your body. Yani those 360 body parts, joints that have to give charity every single day, if you pray two raka'ah of duha, then it's, it's done for that day. It's done for that day. Why? Because when you pray, all of your joints move, right? When you pray, all of your joints move. If you pray properly. Okay. Um, the minimal raka'at that you pray, Salatul Duha. Also, sorry, we have one more hadith. Is the hadith of Abu Huraira? Usani Khalili bithalath. That my Khalili, my friend, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, told me to do and advised me with three things. From amongst them being number one, Siyamu thalathati ayyamin min kulli shahr. To fast three days of every every month. Warakatay al-Duha and two rakat al-Duha. Wa an utira qabla an anam and for me to do witr before I sleep. So this is from the things that the Prophet ﷺ told Abu Huraira. Also we have the ayah in the Quran in Surah Sa'd. Allah says about Dawood, يُسَبِّحْنَ بِالْعَشِيِّ وَالْإِشْرَاقِ That they used to do tasbih and they used to pray at Al-Ashiyyi Wal-Ishraq. At the daytime and the evening. Ibn Abbas, he said, I knew there was a prayer during this time, during Duha time, Al-Ishraq time. But I didn't know what it was. What does that show? He, he never saw the Prophet doing it. But he said, I know there is a prayer at this time because the ayah it says there's a prayer that Dawood used to pray at this time. Until he heard Umm Salama saying that the Prophet used to pray Salatul Duha and I realized this is what the ayah is talking about. When Dawood used to pray and read his Zabur, read his Quran, the mountains would, would pray with him. He would, because his voice was so beautiful, the mountains would also Sing, or they'll, 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 they'll pray with him, the voice, they will follow him in his voice. And, they will, and that's why the Prophet said to Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, when he was reciting the Quran at night time, and the Prophet was walking past his house, he said, I heard you at night, he said, You have been given a min instrument from the instruments of the family of Dawood, meaning your voice. And so Abu Musa, he said, 
So that shows that Dawood he had a beautiful voice and that's when he used to pray in the morning and in the evening as Ibn Abbas mentioned. The minimum raka'at of al-duha is two. The minimum raka'at of al-duha is two. As for the maximum, then the difference of opinion. Some of them they say twelve. And some of them they say eight. And this is the opinion of Imam Nawi, which is eight. Wallahu a'ala, which is authentic. And some of them they say there's no limit. Which one is the strongest? Allahu a'ala. Allah knows best. Taif, the question here says, what's the difference between istiwa and zawal? This person might have not been here last lesson. That's the problem, right? What's the difference between istiwa and zawal? Not you, not you, not you, not you. You asked, I remember last season. You definitely got the pronunciation right. Huh. You can't ask that question. Now, why is it? The istiwa is the highest point of the sun. Yes, istiwa is when the sun's at its highest point. And zawal is just after that, so when the sun leans to the west. No, and zawal is when the sun is at the highest point, and zawal is when the sun leans to the western side of the sky, and that's the salat al That's when duhur comes in. Duhur comes in at zawal. As for istiwa, then you can't pray at this time. It's not allowed to pray soon the prayer at this time. He used to make up his prayer at duha time? No, no, the Prophet said, he used to make up his prayer at duha time. What's the question though? Oh, no, no, he used to make up his, his Qiyam al-Layl. No, he used to make up, if the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this is Ibn Qayyim, he says, Ibn Qayyim, he says that the Salat al-Duha is not even a prayer that you should pray. Rather, you only pray if you miss Qiyam al-Layl. And that's what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to pray at duha if he missed Qiyam al-Layl as well. If, um, you know the Hadith of the Lord, if person if he doesn't do any good deed in the whole day and if a person prays five times a day then if, if Salat al-Duha is enough for all of it then obviously the Salat al-Fajr and Maghrib and Isha is going to be more than enough so Allah is not going to be sinning as long as you're praying five times a day طيب, the next one is Salat al-Taraweeh Salat al-Taraweeh the next one is Salat al-Taraweeh and Salat al-Taraweeh is the night prayer that we pray specifically during Ramadan. The night prayer that we pray specifically during Ramadan. No, any three days. The, those three, the three days that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in the Hadith of Abu Hurairah when you told him to fast three days of the month, is any three days. And if it's the white days, then it's even better. Salat al-Taraweeh, the night prayer that you pray at night. The, the origin of the legislation of, of Salat al-Taraweeh is that the Prophet ﷺ in Ramadan, he came out and he prayed. 
In the second day, he came out, second night, he came out again and he prayed. And some companions, they followed him in praying. They prayed behind him. And on the third day, the companions, they all gathered at the masjid until it was full. And the Prophet ﷺ never came out and prayed. And when he was asked, he said, أَخْشَى أَنْ يُفْرَضَ عَلَيْكُمْ وَأَنْ تُفْرَضَ عَلَيْكُمْ وَكُمَ قَالَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَأَسْلَمَ لَوَادِهِ He said that, I fear that it might have been obligated upon you. So that's why I didn't come out and pray the third time. From this we know that it is sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu to pray at night during Taraweeh. The reason why it's called Taraweeh is come from the word Raha. Raha. What does Raha mean? Rest and relaxing. Why? Because the companions, they, when they used to pray Taraweeh, they used to pray very, very long. And the Prophet Sallallahu used to also pray very long. So they, the companions, when they would pray, they would rest every four rak'ah. So they'll pray two, then they'll pray two, then they'll rest. Then they'll pray two, and they'll pray two, and they'll rest. And so that's why it was called Salatul Taraweeh, the Taraweeh. Now, some of the people, they say, it is a bid'ah to pray Taraweeh. It's a bid'ah. Why? They say, Umar was the first person to do it. Because Umar, at the time of Umar, at the time of the Prophet they prayed. And then, at the time of Abu Bakr, everyone used to pray individually. Or a group would pray in this part of the masjid, another group would pray this part of the masjid. What did Umar ibn Khattab do at this time? He gathered all of those people together and he said, pray all together behind one Imam. Did he do an innovation? No, why? Because the Prophet ﷺ prayed before him, right? So how, is it, how can it be a bid'ah? It, it cannot be a bid'ah. The bid'ah is something the Prophet ﷺ has never done. And I just told you guys that the Prophet ﷺ, he prayed at night for Taraweeh. So therefore it cannot be a bid'ah. And then he said, he said this is ni'matul bid'ah. This is a good bid'ah. Meaning, if you're trying to say this is a bid'ah, then it's a good bid'ah. That's what Umar means. He doesn't mean linguistically it's a bid'ah because it's not a bid'ah even linguistically. But rather, what he means by that is, when he said that, he said, if you're trying to say this is a bid'ah, then it's a good bid'ah. Meaning, the Prophet sallallahu done it. So therefore, it's not a bid'ah. It's not an innovation. And the Shia, they don't pray it because they say this is the bid'ah of Umar. And the Sufis, they use it to justify their innovations. And they say there is good bid'ah and bad bid'ah. And we say, the people of Sunnah, they say what? Rather, this is the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi And every innovation is a misguidance. Understand? So therefore, this is not a bid'ah, rather it's a sunnah of the Prophet The Prophet said in the hadith about Salat al-Layl, the night prayer in Ramadan, مَنْ مَنْ قَامَ رَمَضَانَ إِيمَانًا وَاحْتِسَابًا غُفِرَ لَهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ Whoever stands up at night praying in Ramadan, out of Iman and hoping the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then all of his previous sins will be forgiven. All of his previous sins will be forgiven. The person who stands up at night during Ramadan. And so praying Taraweeh is an emphasized sunnah. Is an emphasized sunnah, as the author here he said. And it is more emphasized in order to go against the Shia. Just to go against the Shia. Sometimes the, sunnah, the, 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 the Salaf, they would emphasize on acting by a sunnah just to go against the people in the nation who don't believe in that sunnah. For example, they say, the Shia, they don't, they don't allow you to wipe over your socks when you're doing wudu. And it's a sunnah. The Prophet has done it. And you guys, we've taken this in this book, right? 70 of the companions have been narrated from them. All of the four Imams, Abu Hanifa, Malik, Ahmed, and Shafi'i, all of them, they believe in it. The only people who went against it were the Shia and the Khawarij. Those early Khawarij. They were the only people who said that you can't wipe over your socks. And so the people of the Sunnah, they started writing in their Aqeedah books, in their books of the, what is the belief of Ahlul Sunnah, of the people of the Sunnah, as opposed to the people of innovation, Bid'ah, the evil people. What's the, from amongst the belief of Ahlul Sunnah is that we wipe over our socks. And they would say that when you're in the land of a group of people of Shia, where they don't wipe over their socks, then wipe over their socks just to show them the Sunnah. And just like that, Taraweeh is on. Taraweeh, the Shia, they would say this is the bid'ah of Umar. So therefore, it is Sunnah, emphasized Sunnah, and it's more emphasized to show the Shia that it is a 
Sunnah and it's not one of them. To, to revive, and what's the reason behind that? It's to revive the Sunnah. Don't allow the Sunnah to die amongst those people, even amongst the people of innovation. So Salat al that's the virtue of Salat al And you said that Taraweeh is after Isha, from Isha. It's not the same as Qiyam al it's after Isha, until Fajr. And the Sunnah and Taraweeh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would pray eight raka'at, as, as Aisha radiallahu anha narrated. Eight raka'at, and then he would do three with Witr. And in some narrations, he will pray 13 altogether. No, 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 that's Ibn Qayyim's opinion. We don't take that from Allah. 
Ibn Qayyim, I just mentioned it just because of the question of the brother. But Ibn Qayyim, he does take that opinion. He says, Zalat al-Duha only should be prayed to make up Qiyam al nothing else. Allah, we don't take that. Tayyib, um, that is Salatu al-Layl, al-Tarawih, طيب وطلوع الفجر الثاني أنتوا في طلوع الفجر الثاني what do you mean by أنتوا فجر الثاني second فجر you asked that question just now how did you go wrong ها someone else what's فجر الصادي what's فجر الثاني what's what is that no what is it what's the fake فجر there's a vertical light in the sky and then after it becomes dark that's the fake فجر the second fajr is the real fajr when the sunlight comes up. First bit of sunlight. So it means that the light can come from the moon? I don't yeah, know. the reflection of the sun on the atmosphere. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's go into conditions of salah or more you guys tired? Should we do it? Yeah. Conditions of salah. Faslum fi shurut al-salah. The conditions of the salah. Wa shara'iyatu salati qabla al-dukhuli fiha khamsa. There are five conditions before of the salah. What do you mean by a condition? What is a shart? A shart is something that needs to be present throughout the whole salah and before it. Before the salah and throughout the whole salah. And this is a, a, a definition of act of, of shart throughout the whole of fiqh. Even though, even though sometimes it is used differently. The word shart sometimes is used differently. Like in generally, the word shart, condition, the word condition, when it is used in fiqh, what it means is something that needs to be present before and throughout the whole act of worship for the act of worship to be correct. For example of that, what's an example of that in Salah? Wudu. You have to have Wudu before Salah and throughout the whole Salah for your Salah to be correct. If your Wudu is not there, then your whole Salah is invalid. Uh, or if you break it halfway through the Salah, then the, 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 your Salah becomes invalid, right? So therefore it has to be there throughout. This is, this, is what is, this, is what, this is what a condition is. As opposed to a pillar, which is a pillar is part and parcel of the prayer, of the act of worship. A pillar of an act of worship is part and parcel of the act of worship has to be present in the act of worship, not throughout, it has to be present in it. For example, Fatiha, right? reciting Surah Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Reciting Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, is it a, a pillar or not? It's a pillar. Does it have to be present throughout the whole Salah? Are you reciting Surah Al-Fatiha throughout the whole Salah? You're not. Lakin, it has to be present there. If it's not there, what happens? The Salah breaks down, it's a pillar. It breaks down, the whole Salah is invalid. You understand? Side benefit, What's the, what is better? Is it allowed for me to, to, to refer to the surahs by the, by the names or by what it starts off with? What's better? Hmm. Why? Is it allowed? Who's done it before? Hmm? Where? Are you not sure? Don't say it, you're not sure. I love the hadith of the Prophet. Also the Sahab, the companions, they would refer to Surah by the names. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Or they would put Surah Al-Ikhlas, they would say, Qul Wallahu Ahad. Or they'll call Ida Jaan Sulahi or Aliflamim Sajda Yasin Taha and these kind of Surah Bara'a Surah Bara'a Naam 
سورة بني إسرائيل سورة إسراء سبحان الذي أسرى بعبده ليل they would call it سورة بني إسرائيل ها؟ yeah سورة الإسراء 17th سورة they would call it إسراء and also call it سورة بني إسرائيل and سورة محمد they would call it سورة محمد and they would call it سورة القتال so it's allowed. It's not something that just our parents do. It's something that's have And some people they they belittle, especially people who are new in terms of seeking knowledge. They will belittle someone because they will school something called Allah. Instead of, do you know it's Surah Al-Ikhlas? Do you need to relax, huh? How would you define Qila? Qila is a part and parcel of the prayer. It's part of the prayer. وَفِيهَيْئَاتِ مِنْ هِيَأَتِ الْعِبَادَةِ وَمِنْ مَهِيَةِ الْعِبَادَةِ مِنْ مَهِيَةِ الْعِبَادَةِ It's part of the prayer. وَلَا يَصْرَحَ عَنْ It's part of the act of worship. A part of the act of worship. That without it, the act of worship is invalid. So a pillar is something that is part of the act of worship, and without it, it's invalid. And the condition is something that has to be there before and throughout the act of worship, and without it, it is invalid as well. So what's the what's the common what's common between the the, the condition and the pillar? Without it, they both, the the act of worship becomes invalid. But they're just different different from different angles. And if a person doesn't have wudu, then he's missing a condition, and his salah is invalid. And if a person doesn't read Surah Al-Fatiha, then he's not missing a condition, he's missing a pillar, but his salah is also not invalid. See the difference? So a condition is something that has to be present before and throughout the act of worship. Otherwise, it's not invalid. And the pillar is something that is part of the act of worship, and without it, it's invalid. Like for example, Tawaf al-Wada' for Hajj, Tawaf al-Ifadha for Hajj. Tawaf al-Ifadha for Hajj is a pillar. Fatiha is a pillar. Sujood is a pillar. Wudu is a Condition. So these are conditions of the salah. These things have to be present throughout the whole of salah. Number one, taharatu al-a'adai an al-hadathi wa najas And this one, he actually mentions it in three different ones. It's five. This one is actually has three different parts. Number one is the body must be clean. The body must be clean. And the cleanliness of the body is two types. The cleanliness of the body must be two types. Cleanliness from physical impurity, which is known as physical impurity, which is known as khabat, and non-physical impurity, which is known as hadith. Yeah, non-physical impurity, you have to have wudu. If you if you don't have wudu, then you are impure, but non-physically, yeah, spiritually, or yeah, it's not tangible. You know, you can't see someone hasn't got wudu, so you have to have wudu. So it's a condition, and also you have to have. You can't be in the state of. Janaba, or you have to have ghusl, sexual impurity. The person who just had sexual intercourse, or he ejaculated, that person has to have ghusl before he can pray. He's in the state of impurity. So, taharatul a'adai anil hadathi wal najas. From hadath, which is major and minor hadath. And for the brothers who are confused, it's because he wasn't here for the tahara, for the beginning of the book. Purification, in, in it we learnt about how a person, when he's in a state of non physical impurity, so you're in a state of non physical impurity, there's two types of non-physical impurity. Either you don't have wudu or you need to do ghusl. Either you don't, if you don't have wudu, then you are in a state of minor non-physical impurity. 
So you have to do wudu before you can pray. Or you are in a state of janabah, where a person, either he had sexual intercourse or he ejaculated, then he has to have ghusl before he can pray. And this is called major non-physical impurity. So what's major non-physical impurity? Janaba. How did you get rid of it? Ghusl. How and what's minor non-physical impurity? You don't have? Wudu. How did you get rid of it? By doing wudu. So that's the condition here. You have to have wudu. And when najas, also physical impurity. You can't be someone who has a physical impurity. If you have physical impurity on you, on your body, then you have to remove it. For example, someone has urine on their body, you have to wash it off. Someone has feces on their body, you have to wash it off. And then, that's physical. So, taharat al and al hadati wal najas. Yeah, blood is impure, but if it's a large amount. If it's a small amount, it's forgiven. It's a little cut, it's fine. That's because of the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, when Ibn Umar عنه, said, the Prophet said, Allah does not accept the prayer of any one of you if you become in the state of hadith until you do wudu. And Abu Hurairah was asked, Mal hadith? What is hadith? He said, Al Fusa'un al Durat. It is for a person to relieve wind, loud or not loud, with noise or not noise, and to lose your wudu. The second condition of the salah is covering the awra, covering a private part. Covering the awra. What is the awra? The awra of the man, meaning the private part of the man that has to be covered during the salah is between his navel and his knee. Not including the navel nor the knee. So between the navel and the knee, meaning the belly button and the knee, must be covered throughout the salah. As for the woman, then it's her whole body except for her hands and feet. Huh? Sorry? Hands and face. Face and hands. Huh? Face and hands. <coughs> As for the rest of the body, all of it's awrash. It has to be all of it has to be covered for her to pray. And the evidence for that is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, لا يقبل الله صلاة الحائض صلاة حائض إلا بخمار. Allah does not accept the salah or the prayer of the woman who's at the age of puberty, al-ha'id. Except with a khimar, meaning covering. So she has to cover up. It has to be with clean clothes. Meaning your clothes have to be clean. So what has to be clean so far? Your body and your clothes. We're going to have a third thing as well. Number three, the third condition is Also we have the ayah in the Quran when Allah says يَا بَنِي آدَمَ خُذُوا زِينَتَكُمْ عِنْدَ كُلِّ مَسْجِدٍ Take your beautification to every masjid. This ayah is the ayah that shows that you must wear clothing whilst praying. You have to, your awl must be covered. So you can't wear things like shorts that uncover your thighs whilst praying and things like that. And Allah says, take your beautification to every masjid. Yani, wear your clothing for every salah. That's what it means. And there's no difference of opinion, there's ijma' on this. No difference of opinion amongst scholars that you have to. The third thing is that you must be standing in a pure place. The place of prayer must be clean. The place of prayer must be clean. The place of prayer must be clean. What is considered to be the place of prayer? It is between your feet up to the point of your, of your sujood. And you wear your forehead's about to touch the floor until your feet 
must be clean, it has to have no najasa, it cannot have any najasa on it. If there's any najasa between your feet and the place of where your sujood is about to be, you're about to go into sujood, then your salah is invalid. So if you're praying on somewhere there's urine on there, then your salah is invalid. And what we consider is what is above. Yeah, I need the carpet, what's above the carpet, not below. So let's say a person has a carpet, and below the carpet there is urine. But above, he puts the carpet on top, and the urine doesn't go to the top. Is he allowed to print up on that? Yes, he is. Because what's considered is the top, not the bottom. From these three, the first three, what, what, what has to be clean? Body, clothing, and place of prayer. And that's what the scholars, they say, in other books of fiqh, you're going to see. Other books of fiqh, you're going to see. That they say, وَطَحَارَةُ الْبَدَنِ وَالثَّوْبِ وَالْمَكَانِ The condition of the prayer, they make it one condition. They say that you, you must have, you must be pure on your body, your clothing and your place of prayer. Here, what did the author do? He split it through three conditions. Because each of the conditions have uh, something connected to it. So because the condition is your body and your, and your, and your, your body and your, um, now your body must be clean from two types of hadith, from two types of impurity, hadith and najasa. And then he says, the clothing, because the clothing is a separate condition. But then he said, he added the condition of the clothing must be clean as well. So he added it here. And then he said, where you're standing on must be somewhere that's clean as well. Either way, we know the conditions through this. Then he says, You must know that the time of prayer has entered. You must know that the time of prayer has entered. Meaning a person cannot pray before the timing of prayer. Before the time of prayer. And this is from amongst the most important conditions. That a person prays at his time. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ كَانَتْ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ كِتَابًا مُقُوتًا That the prayer has been obliged upon the, the believers at specific times. عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ كِتَابًا مُقُوتًا At specific times. You must pray at them at these specific times that the Sharia has legislated. And a person must know that the time has entered. And we mentioned how you know the time has entered, right? How? Through? You see it? And number two? Mu'adhin. Chance? Trustworthy. Yeah, the Mu'adhin, yeah. The Mu'adhin, always a transfer. The Mu'adhin. And then, number three? Calculations. Huh? So you must know the time is entered, if you're able to. What if you're not able to? Then you estimate. Like for example, someone who's in a prison, is in a square box where there's nothing, no light, nothing, you can't tell what time it is to pray, then he estimates. <coughs> the next condition is qibla, To face towards the Qibla. A person must face towards the Qibla. And the Qibla, is the direction of prayer. And that is the Kaaba. The Qibla is the direction of prayer. It's translation of the Qibla is the direction of prayer. What is the direction of prayer for the Muslims? The Kaaba. That's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, talking to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, we saw your, your face facing towards the sky. Why? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he was in Mecca, he would face to, was commanded to face towards where? To pray. Towards? Jerusalem. 
towards Beit al-Maqdis, Masjid al-Aqsa, Jerusalem. He used to pray towards there. But what he used to do is, he used to, because Jerusalem was in the north, he would go to the Kaaba and he would face towards the north, but he would put the Kaaba in front of him. So the Kaaba is in front of him and then he will face towards the north like that. And he would pray like that. Then he was commanded to move to Medina. Where is Medina? North or south? It's north. North of Mecca. It's north of Mecca. So therefore, if you want to face towards Mecca, you have to face towards south. And if you want to face towards Jerusalem, you have to face towards north. So therefore, he, has, he, has to, he can't do that anymore. And he can't face towards Kaaba and Jerusalem at the same time. And he was sad about that. The Prophet ﷺ was sad about that. Because he loved the Kaaba. And so he looked up into the sky. And Allah says, we saw you facing towards the sky. So we're going to change the Qibla so you're pleased with it. We're going to change the Qibla so the Prophet is pleased with it. So he says, So face towards Masjid al-Haram means the Kaaba. Wherever you are, face towards that Kaaba Masjid al-Haram. And so from this we understand that the condition is that a person must face towards Masjid al-Haram, the Kaaba, when he is praying. That's the condition. Mm. I don't know how you mentioned before, let's say a person is in a prison and doesn't know what the direction is. Doesn't have to yeah, same thing. If you're in a prison and you don't know, then you have to estimate as well. The direction you don't know. So what if, um, for whatever reason, like, the local Masjid, they don't face the yeah, if the, if the masjid don't face towards the Qibla, we're going to mention it here, inshallah, now. How, what is considered to be facing the Qibla? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, مَا بَيْنَ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ قِبْلَ Whatever's between the east and the west is Qibla. Meaning, <coughs> you have 180 degrees. If the Qibla is there, and you're facing slightly this way, or slightly that way, then it's fine. As, for example, the masjid of Amr ibn As in Egypt. The masjid of Amr ibn As in Egypt is not facing towards the Qibla directly, it's slightly bent. Slightly bent away from the Kaaba, but it's fine. And this the Sahaba, they agreed upon that. The only place that is 100% facing towards the Qibla is the Masjid al Nabawi, the Masjid of the Prophet. Because that was from a revelation from Allah. That's the only place that's 100% facing towards the Qibla. Like other than that, everyone's going to be facing slightly west, slightly left, slightly right. Right? Um, and so we have the hadith of the Prophet saying that you have. A 180 degrees leeway. You understand that? What has to be facing towards the Qibla on your body? It is considered the torso. The torso. The, upper, the higher body. The upper body. body. Yani if your face is to, facing towards the left or right, does that break your prayer? No. When does your prayer, uh, prayer break? When your whole body faces left or right, faces the wrong direction. Then that person's prayer is, is, is wrong. طيب. Last mas'ala with regards to the Qibla. <laughs> Um, is when do you have to face towards the exact like what do you have to face towards? Number one, if a person's right in front of the Kaaba, if you're right in front of the Kaaba, you have to face towards the Kaaba. You don't have that leeway anymore. You have to face directly towards the Kaaba. If you are outside of the Masjid, then you have to face towards the Masjid at least, Masjid al Haram in Mecca. If you are outside of Mecca, then you have to face towards Mecca at least. And if you are far away, you can't see Mecca. Then you have that leeway. Between the east and the west, the Qibla. So for us, it won't be east and west, it will be. Right? The Qibla for us is southeast. Therefore, we have. We have northwest and. No, no. Wait, 
right now to southeast. Southeast. Mm-hmm. 180 degrees. Think of a compass. Think of a compass in your head. You have this north, east, south, west, south, south, east, and south, east. So you have north, east, north, east, and south, west. You understand? North, east, and south, west. That's what you have. You understand? That's how the Qibla is. And that's the evidence for the Qibla. Um, then he says, You're allowed to not face the Qibla in two situations. Yani you're praying, but you don't have to face the Qibla. When? Two situations. In extreme fear. What do you mean by extreme fear? There's a specific meaning. That's why it's important to know the, word, the terminology of the people in fiqh. What do they mean by extreme fear? They don't mean just you're scared. They mean something. Yeah. What do they mean? In battle. Yani? During the fight, actually during the fight, if the prayer time is, is present, the prayer time has come in, and the prayer time is about to come out, but you're in a battle, shooting, and then you're actually in the we're not talking about where the armies are camped, we're talking about in the actual fight, in the midst of the fighting, it's a little bit, there's a battle going on. Then in that case, and the prayer time is about to finish, you have to pray. How? Pray whilst you're shooting. Pray whilst the sword is going on. Allah says in the Quran, If you're in extreme fear, then whether you're riding your horse or you're running, pray. And pray in your heart. In your heart. You say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen with your tongue and you're saying Allahu Akbar and Subhanahu Rabbil Alameen, all of it like that. You don't have to face towards the Qibla and you don't have to uh, do the ruku or the sujood. You just, you do it with your heart. But you still have to pray. That's why the scholars, they say, وَلَا تَسْقُطُ الصَّلَاةِ مَا دَامَ يَعْقِلِ The salah never ever goes away. Salah never ever ever is, you're never, you don't, you never, there's no situation where you don't have to pray. As long as you're sane. If you're sane, you have to pray. And Salah becomes obligatory when you have to pray. So it says Shiddat al-Khuf, you don't have to face the Qibla. No. Is there prayer during war? Yeah, that's... There's the Salat al-Khuf which we're going to come to, the prayer during war, but that's not, that's not during the battle. That's during when the enemy is camped and the army of the Muslims are camped. We're both camped, they're over there and we're here. We're not fighting right now, we're camped. Then in that case we pray Salat al-Khuf, just in case they attack, we pray in a certain way. One line and the other line is guarding, then they switch places, places and things like that. Salat al-Khuf. But there's two, two ways... There's three ways to play Salat al-Khuf. Number one is if you're facing to the enemy. Number two, if you're facing towards the Qibla and the enemy in the other direction. Number three is if you're actually in the fight. If you're in the fight, then you pray however you are. However you are. فَإِنْ خِفْتُمْ فَرِجَالًا أَوْ رُكْبَانًا رِجَالًا يعني مَنْ It means on your feet. رِجَلًا When you're on your feet. أَوْ رُكْبَانًا أَوْ يَفْيَوْ Riding on your horse. طَيْبْ فِي شِدَّةِ الْخُوفِ You don't have to pray. In extreme fear, you don't have to face towards the Qibla. The next second time you don't have to face towards the Qibla is if you're on a rahila. You're on a, you're on a um, on an animal or riding, you're on a vehicle. You're on a vehicle and you're traveling and you're praying a voluntary prayer. You're on a vehicle and you're traveling and you're praying a voluntary prayer. You're on a vehicle, you're traveling and you're praying a voluntary prayer. Then in that case, you're in the car. You're in the car, you're going towards Manchester, you're going back to Manchester, you're in the car, you're allowed to sit, start Fatiha and recite sitting down. Allah Akbar, and you pray sitting down. You're allowed to do that. You're on the airplane, you just want to pray, Allah Akbar, you don't have to face towards the Qibla. You can pray Sunnah, two rak'ah Sunnah, not the obligatory prayers. No. You know that I need to report from the 
يعني شغلونا عن صلاة الوسطى صلاة العصر in the hadith the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam they were in battle they were in battle in the hadith of Umar bin Khattab radiyallahu anhu in the narrative of Bukhari Muslim and he came and he said he said لعن الله ما الله هفكاسب هفكاسب عندهم شغلونا عن صلاة الوسطى صلاة العصر they made us busy from صلاة العصر صلاة الوسطى الله أعلم الله أعلم why they forgot maybe the, the problem, there's possible reasons number one maybe they forgot number two the ayah maybe not, wasn't revealed at the time لكن الله أعلم I don't know the reason for that, that hadith specifically but it's authentic hadith والله أعلم وعند ذلك تأتي قشنت وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه